Hey, um, before we start tonight, I want to I ask you guys a favor. I'm going to give out a challenge and just ask if you will do this. Tonight, as we listen to God's word and the message that he has for us, that we would just really focus on the Lord. And if you've come to camp and you've been like this in life, and you've been fighting with God, and like just, I don't know, going through some stuff, whatever, you've been in this position, I would pray that tonight as you sit there, that you would sit there with an open heart, with an open mind, and you say, God, I want to sit like this before you tonight. As, as Brian brings your message, Lord, it's from you. I'm going to sit there, and whatever you have for me, I'm going to receive. And I will, if you, you pull in my heart, Holy Spirit, and I'll be faithful to respond. So that's my challenge, that you would just be open to whatever God has for you tonight. Because the conversation we're going to have tonight, I'm going to tell you, might be one of the most important conversations of your life. I'll tell you, it's the most important decision of your life. And so that would be my challenge and my hope for all of us tonight, uh, even myself, because uh, as I'm up here sharing, I always listen to what God has for me as well. So everything we do in life, it, it usually comes with some kind of a sacrifice. Um, if, if we say, yes, we're going to do something, then we're kind of saying no to, to doing something else. Like, for instance, if I was to play baseball, I'm sacrificing my time because I go out and I practice and all that. But hey, I get to play baseball. Right? That's the benefit of it. I get to play baseball. Or say I go to the gym, so I'm, I'm going to sacrifice my energy. I'm going to sacrifice my time that I go there, maybe my money because I'm paying for a gym membership, right? But what's the benefit? What am I getting out of that? I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get healthy. So I sacrifice some things, but boy, the benefit is amazing. Like, for instance, if you spend all football season like rooting for the 49ers, and you sacrifice your time, your energy, your emotions. Like you did a big sacrifice all football season. Hours of watching them play, being a loyal fan. And then the benefit that you get is, well, all right, you don't get anything. But still, there's a sacrifice there. Man, that close, weren't they? Still too soon, United fans? All right, sorry about that. But everything we do comes with a sacrifice. Here's a question for you. I just want you to sit there. And I just want you to think about this for a minute. Think of someone in your mind that you care about, someone that you, you really care about. And let's say that this person is wrongly in prison. They're innocent, but they're wrongly imprisoned, and they get a three-month jail time. They've got to stay in there for three months. Would you sacrifice all of your family's money to get them out? Now, some people might say, yes, I would do that, absolutely. Some people are like, yeah, it's only three months. They can handle it. They can be a ministry. They can witness so say they get one year in jail, wrongly imprisoned, that they're innocent, they get one, one year in jail, would you sacrifice all that you, your money and stuff to, to get them out? So then the question is, what about, if you're not there yet, what about 10, 10 years? What if they got 20 years and they're wrongly imprisoned and they're in there, what would you give, what would you do, would you, would you get rid of everything to help them out and get them out of there? So here's a question, what if they got a life sentence? and they were wrongly imprisoned, would you sell your, your family's cars, if you have a boat, if you've got a, a vacation home, if you've got whatever, your, your house you live in, all your clothes, would you give everything that you are to get them out of that life sentence? And they've been wrongly imprisoned, right? All right what if they got a death sentence, they're on death row, and they've been wrongly imprisoned, would you do it then? If you're still holding back going, nah, I don't know, man, I really like my stuff, you would, you would help them out? Okay, now stop, sit for just a minute. What if they were guilty? 
Would you give everything of yourself? Would you, if they had a, a death sentence, they were guilty, would you say, you know what, I'll trade places with you. I'll take your sentence for you. Would you do that? No. You say yes, but I'm going to tell you, you probably wouldn't. You probably, that's the reality. Most of us would not give our life away like that for a guilty person. We wouldn't take their sentence of death like that for a guilty person. We just wouldn't do it. But there's one, though, who not only would do it, but he did do it. And that's Jesus Christ. He sacrificed 100% of who he is to save guilty people from a sentence of death. And the guilty party is me. The guilty party is all of you. All of humanity. Every soul that's ever been born in history. Jesus gave all that he was so that we would not have to live out that death sentence in our guilt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight, as we enter into your word, Jesus, as we look at your 100% sacrifice that you did for us, my prayer is that anyone here who has not surrendered their heart and their life to you, that tonight, Lord, you would work on their heart, you put a pull on their heart, you would draw them close to you, and that they would, they would surrender and say, Jesus, I am yours. You're my Savior. Work powerfully tonight. We would be open to what you have for us. Lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So before we chat more about Jesus' 100% sacrifice, let's talk a little about why, why he needed a sacrifice. So I need my first three volunteers. I had two, two over here, one from over here. I already talked to these ahead of time. My two from over here, come on up. So we talked about God as our great creator. Coming up on stage, kiddos. Wow. I have never said anything all weekend that made me sound as old as I did right then when I said kiddos. Okay, so you can hold this one. You can hold this one. So you can stand right back here for a second. Okay, so God, we talked about God. Hold your sign up so everybody can see. God created people. Come close together. God created people, right? We talked about this last night. He's a great creator. He created us in his image. Hold up a little higher. There you go. Oh, too high. Down a little, oh, a little higher. Too much. Right? Yeah, right there. All right. So God created people. Great creator. And he created us. They were his special creation. Remember we talked about that yesterday? And he created us as worshipers of his. We, he created us to have friendship with him, to be in perfect relationship with him. And that's how he had created us originally, where we were in perfect fellowship with him because we were, we were sinless. We didn't have this sin that had separated us but then along came something happened, the fall of humanity, right? Where, where Adam and Eve, where they had sin, and they had that original sin. And then sin comes in, and sin happens. And the people, they choose to rebel against God. And they choose to sin. And what sin is, if you don't know what sin is, sin is rebellion against God. It's living outside of God's truth, outside of God's standard, outside of his moral character, of who he is, and saying, you know, God, you told me to live this way but I think I'm going to live this way instead. I'm going to do this. I know I'm not supposed to do this, God, but you said that that is not righteous, that is not holy, that is not right in, within you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to sin. I'm going to, I'm going to commit sin. I'm going to lie, cheat, sin, whatever it may be, right? Well, God in his holiness, he can't tolerate sin, so what happened is it separated God from people. Keep going. Go to your spots. There you go. Keep going. There you go. 
So put your signs up high. So now we have a problem because that separation is not just distance. That separation is spiritual death, not a physical death, but the spiritual death that now we die. And when what spiritual death is, is when we die, that we are separated from God and all things that are good for eternity, forever. Because the Bible says that the, constant, the, the wages of sin, it says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. You guys know what a wage is? A wage is something you earn. You get paid your wages. We earned this separation. Go ahead and sit down. You guys can go ahead and sit back down. Thank you very much. You can have that. All right. So we earned our sin. When we could, we earned our wage. When we sin, when we commit sin against God, we're rebelling against God saying, no, I know better than you, God. I'm going to do this my way. And we've inherited that sin nature. None of us can escape it. Okay, that's just the cards we've got as humans. This is the original sin when the fall happened, and Adam and Eve, and this happened, this separation. We now, when we're born babies, we inherit this sin nature that we're sinners. And that's just the, that's just the status of, of mankind and what, what has happened. But it's something that we've earned. And the wages of sin is death. And that's what we have. And the reason it's that way is because God in his holiness, he can't, he can't have sin. Because he is perfect, and it separates us. So some of us are like, oh, oh, hold on, though. I mean, I can imagine that wages of my sin for ste- is death for some sins, but ah, Brian, I don't know for my sin. I mean, I don't really sin that much. I'm done anything really bad. I mean, I told a little white lie, disobeyed mom or dad a little bit. Snuck a cookie when I wasn't supposed to. Whatever, I haven't done anything that bad. My sin, other people's sin. Now, I get it. I get it. Other people's sin, but mine, it's just not that bad. We think we're okay in our sin. So can I get my seven sinners to come on up here? All right, go ahead and stay off the stage for now. I'll call you up one at a time. So I've got some seven sins here. And here's the thing. Here's what sin is, right? Sin is actually an archery term. And it stands for when you shoot an arrow and it goes off and it misses the mark, that's a sin. And the mark that we have, the target that we have is God. God's perfect standard. And if we don't hit that, then we've sinned. And we've sinned against God. We're living outside of him and who he is, right? So some of us say, well, our sin's not as bad. It's not that bad. So let's see where we think sins might land. How far away from the target do you think the sin is? So why don't I give you the first one? Okay, so your sin is, it's a white lie, right? Just a little white lie, not a big one, you know. Yeah, I took out the trash, and you didn't, you know, just a little one, okay? So where do you think, if you were to put that on an arrow, a little piece of tapey tape, if you were to put that and shoot it, where do you think that would land on that target? Close to perfect. Go ahead, just walk up there and do it. Right there. Okay, pretty close. All right, thank you very much. You can have a seat. All right, so who's next? Who wants to be next? All right, you. You get a really big lie, okay? Not a small one, but you're a really whopper of a lie, okay? Where do you think that goes on that target? If you're shooting it and you're aiming towards God, where do you think that would go? Over there, okay. All right, who wants to be next? You know, right? Stealing. Come on up. 
stealing. I don't care what it was, car, gum. So stealing, wow, you're harsh. Okay, stealing goes there. Come on up, who's next? You get cheating. They never prosper. I've told you this. All right, cheating, where does that go? All right, cheating goes there. All right. Come on up. Who's next? Come on up. Come on up. You get bullying. Where do you think bullying would go? Online, in person, bullying, wherever you think it should go. Hey, bullying's on there, okay? All right, who's next? You get murder. There you go. Where do you think that goes? Where do you think it goes? Go ahead, just somewhere. Not, not in the next room or anything, but wherever, yeah. All right, so way over there. All right, good. All right, so last but not least, we've worked our way up, if you can see, little all the way up to murder, and there's one more sin. You're like, what is that? Come on up. And it's a Rams fan. And so, there you go. So where would you put that? Oh, all right. All right. So let me ask you this. No matter what the sin, all the way from white lie and cheating and really whopper lie all the way to murder, what do they all have in common? They've all missed the mark, didn't they? Every single one of them. So what that informs us and tells us is no matter what sin it is that we struggle with in our life, we're not okay in it. It's not okay. In fact, the wages of our sin, because we've not hit that mark, the Bible tells us is death. And that's, that's the bad news of the story, right? And God needs to, in his holiness, like I said, deal with this because God is just and he, the, the justice has got to happen for our sins. He can't ignore it, or that compromises his holiness. And he wouldn't be God, would he? So he has to deal with sin. Justice has got to be paid. The debt has got to be paid. That death has got to happen. Because that's, that's what it causes. That's what it owes. But lucky for us, there's good news. Because God isn't just just, is he? He's also, we've learned this weekend, that he's love. God is also love. We got John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved us so much that he knows that we would die left alone to our sins. We would die in them. And we'd be separated from him for all eternity. And he wanted to provide a way because we couldn't do it ourselves. When we were separated and people and God were separated, we couldn't be good enough. We couldn't earn our way to heaven. It's impossible because we're imperfect sinners. God had to come down and do it for us, and he did it by sending his son Jesus. In fact, the second half of that verse in Romans that tells us that the wages of sin is death says this, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So God has given us this free gift of salvation in, in, in his son, Jesus Christ, because he loves us, his special creation so much that he sent his son to die for us. And here's what, here's, here's what Jesus sacrificed. In Philippians 2, 7, 7 and 8, it says this. It says, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus existed way before he became a baby in the manger. God's always operated as a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that everything was created in and through and by Jesus, right? He was there. And but then he came down. And so if he came to us to dwell with us, become man, to be in the likeness of men, if he did that, that means he left something to come here. And what he left was he would left heaven. He left being with the Father in all of glory and in all of perfection. And he became a man, fully man, fully God. And he came here to dwell with us on earth. And he did this because he came to die. And he had to become man or he could not die. And he did that for you and he did that for me because of the consequences of our sins. And that is why he came, was to die on the cross. He, so, he died so that we might have an opportunity to live, to have life. Because if we die in our sins, we stay dead. Eternal separation from, from God and all that is good. So here's what Jesus' sacrifice went like. He was arrested. He was accused by these religious leaders at the time because they didn't like the way that Jesus was turning things upside down and pointing Jesus to, to people to God in a, in a real way. And they were frustrated with that and they, didn't, they thought they had a good thing going and they didn't want Jesus to upset that. So he was wrongly accused for this thing and they, they arrested him. And then when they arrested Jesus, my Savior, who did this for me, they beat him. They stripped him of his clothes. They had this, this whip, cat of nine tails, and they would hit, it had all these little leather fingers with bits of stone or, or, or glass, sharp edges, and they would whip somebody with that, and as they pulled back, those things would rip flesh from you. They mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and they said, oh, you're the king of the Jews, ha, ha, ha. They spit on him. And he did that for us. And then they put him on a cross. So that's how they crucified people back then, criminals. In fact, they put him between two criminals. And they, they drove spikes through his wrists. They drove them through his ankles and put him on the cross. And they dropped him in a hole. And he's hanging there. And when you're being executed like that on a cross, you have to pull yourself up to take a breath. And most, most people... They end up having to break their legs so they can't do that anymore. They didn't have to do that with Jesus. He had died before they got that far. I want to read to you guys out of, out of Matthew where it picks up the death of Jesus. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lima, sorry, Sabachthani. And that means, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And at some bystanders hearing it said, this man's calling for Elijah. They were confused. They thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. And one of them at once, they ran and they took this sponge. They filled it with a sour wine and they put it on a stick and, and they gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit and he died. And that physical pain that Jesus went through. God from heaven came, dwelt with us. He never had to suffer like that. He never had to know and feel pain like he did. But he did it for us. And that must have been brutal. But the worst part is when he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he, I think, was more painful than the physical pain for Jesus was the spiritual pain. Because he took on the sins of the world. He took on your sins, my sins. He became sin because he took that debt that we owed all upon himself. Because he satisfied. Justice happened for our sins. But we didn't have to pay the price. He paid it for us. Because if we did that, we're imperfect, we're human. We're not sinless, we're not God. We would have died and we would have stayed dead. In fact, if Jesus died and stayed dead, me up here talking about it would seem kind of silly. But the truth is that he rose from the grave on the third day. He resurrected and he made appearances to hundreds of people. Historical facts that show that Jesus came back to life, the empty tomb to the eyewitnesses, that Jesus is alive today. And then he, he ascended to heaven and he promised to come back for us. And if he didn't rise again, none of this would matter. But he did. And what that means is he had victory over death and he had victory over sin. So we put our faith and trust in him. We get to join with him and expect our own resurrection and that promised eternal life with him. But it's even, I think even as cool as that is we get to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus. That is so awesome. Because my relationship with Jesus is so intimate. It means the world to me. I couldn't get through this life and all the garbage we got to go through if it wasn't for the relationship and abiding in him. I wouldn't know. I don't know if people do it that don't have Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, but it is a gift of God not a result of work so that no one may boast. Like I said, you can't good your way to heaven. You can't be good enough. Because if we did, if we did get to heaven, we'd, be like, we'd get up there and go, oh, look at me, I'm good enough, I got into heaven. It's not about you and what you did. It's about everything about Jesus and what he did for us. And how we get to heaven is we say, it says right here, we've been saved through faith, putting our faith and saying, Jesus, you're my savior I trust you. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you are who you said you were. You, what happened did. You died for me. You're the son of God. And I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to follow your ways, your teaching. I'm gonna be, I, I, you're my Lord and Savior. And we receive this gift of eternal life. You guys know what repenting means when I say repent? Repenting means to turn around and go the other direction. We repent from our sins. We don't want anything to do with sin anymore. When we repent, we tell Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. We don't just say, I'm sorry, and we go out tomorrow and we do it again. 
But we turn and we flee from it and say, that's not me anymore. I don't have to sin. Because we put our faith in Jesus, that bondage that we have because we're born. Remember, I said you're inherited with that nature of sin. You don't have a choice when you're born. You're a sinner, man. You're going to sin. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, something happens to you. You get new creation and that bondage is broken and now you don't have to sin anymore. You're not controlled by sin. We're no longer enemies of God. We're friends of God redeemed, reconciled, back into relationship with him, but only through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Jesus is the way. He's not a way. The world might tell you there's other ways to heaven. There's other ways to get to God. The truth of the matter is, because he said it himself, that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. And here's the truth, that one day we will all stand before God. One day, each and every one of us. It might feel a long way away for you because you're so young. It feels closer for me the older I get. But it doesn't have to happen because you've gotten old. I mean, it can happen at any time where we're standing before God. Every single one of us is going to stand before God one day. And I, I kind of picture this, if you imagine for a minute, a courtroom. You guys have seen, if you haven't been in a courtroom, maybe you've seen a courtroom on TV. There's a judge, there's attorneys, there's, there's a defendant, okay, in a trial. So let me tell you the players of our courtroom here. Track with me just for a little bit longer. We got the judge, and that's God the Father. That's God. We got the, the defense attorney is Jesus Christ, and the defendants, every soul that's ever existed, you and me. We're the defendants. We're on trial, okay? Here's the verdict that's at stake. The verdict that is at stake is not, are you guilty? Because that's not on trial here, because we all know we're guilty. We all know that we're sinners. We all know that we've messed up, that we've operated, and we've messed up outside of God. We've missed the mark, right? What's on trial here is whether or not we have eternal life. That's the question. Do you have life? We look at 1 John 5, 9 through 12. Let me read this to you. It says, if we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that he has given about his son. The one who believes in the son of God has the testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son of God does not have eternal life. So without Jesus, we don't have eternal life, and God has said it himself. And in this unprecedented move, you don't see this in courtrooms, the judge, he stands up, God the Father, the judge, he walks over and he sits down in the witness stand and he testifies. And he testifies about his son, Jesus. And I imagine in the courtroom, the bailiff walking up to God going, okay, raise your right hand. Do you promise to tell the truth? Okay, never mind, right? Because God's going to tell the truth. But if we're imagining this courtroom and we see God's testimony on the witness stand, I imagined God's testimony going something like this. Listen very closely. He would say, I've been telling you about my son from the beginning of your time. 
When I told the serpent that he will strike your head and you will strike his heel, I was testifying about him through my prophets in the Old Testament. I declared who he was to his earthly mother, Mary, when I sent an angel to tell her what was going to happen. I declared it to the shepherds who were the first to worship him when he was born, and I declared it at his baptism when I myself said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And he said it himself in his ministry on earth many times. But in case you missed it, I refer you back to 1 John 5. It says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the son of God does not have life. So in order to answer the question, do you have eternal life? Are you going to spend eternity with God? Or are you going to spend eternity separated from God and everything that is good? A.K.A. hell? The question is, to answer if you have eternal life, is do you have the Son? Do you have Jesus? Now the judge, he gets up from the witness stand, he walks back around, and he takes a seat as judge again. And he says, before I cast my verdict, let me ask you, do you have my son? Do you have my son? Do you have my son? And I envision there's going to be different groups of people among the defendants. Sadly, there'll be those who have rejected Jesus and consciously said, nope, it's not a reality. And the best those people can ever hope for is whatever life they had here on earth. Because they're destined to be separated from God forever. The verdict for them is, you don't have my son. You've declared me a liar, therefore you don't have life. Another group I see says, well, I've been told about your son. I heard about him at camp, or I heard about him at this church I went to, or somebody told me in a coffee shop. But I, you know, I've just been busy. I, I didn't give much, a, a lot of thought. I, I meant to sit down and contemplate Jesus more, but I, I was just so busy. Just hearing about him wasn't enough because the verdict is you don't have my son. You don't have life. And then there's another group that will say, yes, we have the son. We have the son. But the answer to that group would be, do you really? Do you really know Jesus? Do you really know my son? Because what they have really is like owning a pair of Nikes where the, the, the swoosh is upside down and you bought it for those pair of shoes for like 19 bucks at Valero, right? They're generic knockoffs. It wasn't the real thing. And there's this group of people, sadly, that have this cheap knockoff version of Jesus. And they have that version of Jesus because they've either believed a lie that somebody told them about Jesus, and they believe something that, that he wasn't, that Jesus himself never said that he was. Or they have a cheap knockoff version of Jesus because they themselves changed who Jesus is. Because they said, I know that Jesus has called me to follow him. I know he said things like love my enemies, or he has said to, to walk in purity and walk in light. He says to, to refrain from sin and all this stuff. I don't like everything he said. I, I like doing some of that stuff. And we kind of change Jesus to our own taste. And what those people really want, they want the blessings of Jesus. They want the blessings of God, all the good stuff, the love, the peace, the hope, the joy that he gives and he brings in our life, but they don't want the God of the blessing. They don't want the person, Jesus, fully God, fully man, who died on the cross for them. They don't want the relationship with him. They don't want Jesus himself. They don't want God. They just want the blessings. So they change him 
thinking that they have him, but they've got this cheap version of him. There's other group. And he says, you have my son. And they say, praise you, God. Lord on high. Yes, we do. We believe that Jesus is the one true son of God. Fully God, fully man, sinless, died in our place, paid our debt, a debt that we owed by his own blood so that we can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus and declared innocent that we put our faith in him and Jesus stands, our defense attorney stands from his chair and he says, they have put their faith in me. They know me, so they know my father. And the verdict from God the father says, you have my son. You have eternal life. Guys, this is real. It's a reality for all of us. And what we've discussed here tonight, I tell you, is the truth. Your job now is what are you going to do with it? You can never again say, I didn't know. No one ever told me. Your job is to say, what, what am I going to do with this truth You're going to be distracted by things of the world. The world is going to say, come over here, do this. We promise this. Sin, everything outside of God, the world says, do this, we promise. And they overpromise, they underdeliver. Life outside of Jesus leads to death and destruction. Life with Jesus is the only way that leads to life. The only way. It is that important. Your eternity is on the line. The final judgment by God the Father and what he's going to say that day when you stand before him. I know because the promises of God, I know what I'm going to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You're my child. Come on in. All these promises, the kingdom of God, my kingdom, it's your inheritance. Come on in. Be in my glory for eternity. And I'm going to give out the biggest hot dog. I ever yelled. It is going to be a great day. I get to glorify, I get to worship God in his very presence. But sadly, that won't be the story for everyone. But I pray it won't be the story for you that tonight you're going to have this opportunity. I'm going to read, I'm going to end with this scripture. And then I'm going to say a prayer. And as I'm praying, the band's going to come back up here in a minute. But as we're praying... I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to sit still for the next three minutes. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just listen to what I'm saying because I don't want you to disturb anybody next to you and distract them with what God might have for them. But this is what I want you to do. I want you in a minute, I'm going to say, close your eyes. I'm going to read this scripture to you and I want you to just listen to it. And I want you to listen to what God might be saying to you tonight. He might be saying, hey, you've been right there. You've heard, man, come to me. Put your faith in my son. Put your faith. And the Holy Spirit's pulling at you saying, do it. Be transformed. Be a new creation. Have life. Oh, won't you, if that's the case? Won't you do that tonight? Maybe there's others of you that have, you've said at camp before or at church that you've put faith in Jesus and that's where you left it. You haven't really touched your relationship with him at all. 
And you're like, you know, I realize I'm not okay in the sin. I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I, I said it, but I didn't do anything with it. Like, come back to him tonight. Say, enough is enough, God. I, I want to get real with you. I want to get real. I want my own personal relationship with you. I'm going to get serious. I want to come back into relationship with you. Whatever it is, take care of it tonight. But if, when I pray, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And if you never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you want to tonight, I just want you to pray that prayer along with me inside your head. Okay, can you guys do that? Let's close your eyes, listen to the scripture, and then I'm going to pray. Everybody listening, close your eyes and just focus and just listen. It's out of Romans chapter 10, and it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For in the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Most high Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We come to you with grateful hearts that Jesus, that you came down and you died for us. You did for us what we could never do for ourselves. We could not, we couldn't save ourselves. It was impossible. But you love us so much that you knew our sin had to be paid for that you did it for us. We, you gave everything. You sacrificed all so that we could have all, that we could have life. And we thank you and we worship you tonight for that. And now if you've never accepted, keep your eyes closed. Just focus on him, everybody. If you've never put your faith in Jesus tonight, just pray along with me. It's so such a simple but meaningful prayer, but really mean it from the heart. Dear Lord, I am so sorry for my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've been separated from you. And I'm sorry that I've rebelled against you in my sin. I've lived for myself, but not a God who loves me. I've ignored you. I've rebelled against you. Maybe I've disregarded. I haven't even thought about you. And I'm so sorry for that, God. I pray for forgiveness tonight because, Lord, I want a relationship with you, Jesus I declare that you are my Lord and my Savior. And I put my faith and trust in you, declaring that you are Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, sinless, who died for me and rose again, and that I get to now get the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I am a new creation, and I get to enter in a relationship with you, not just for now, but forever and ever and ever. I get eternal life. Lord, I want that today. Come into my life, Holy Spirit. I pray for that. Amen. And then there are those keep praying that may be saying, hey, God, I, I know you. I put my faith in you. But boy, I sure have messed around. I, I've stayed away from you. Tonight, I'm going to stop. 
Lord, please, I want to come back to you. And Jesus says, I haven't gone anywhere. Come on back. You'd pray that prayer in your hearts tonight. Lord, I'm so sorry. I want to walk with you again. I want to walk in a relationship with you. I truly, generally want to be, be changed. I'm tired. I'm tired of uh, life has been hard. I want to be yoked with you. I want to be connected with you, Jesus. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. I want to come back to you, Lord. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you, God, for all that you are, and Jesus, for all that you've done. In your name we pray, amen. Now, before we sing a song, stay where you're at. Stay where you're at. I'm going to tell you something. If you guys prayed that prayer tonight, I do this, and people say, what if nobody stands up, Brian? Aren't you embarrassed? I'm like, no, because it's not me that saves them. It's the work of God that he's done. But if you put your faith in Jesus for the first time tonight, I don't like it when people hide it and we just want to keep it secret. Because I'm telling you, you were dead, <laughs> but now you're alive. You've got life, eternal life. You're a new creation. We, you and I, are now either brother or sister. Right? You're either my sister or you're my brother. We're part of the family of God. Woo! So we want to celebrate that. We don't want to hide that. Because I'm telling you now, you hide Jesus in a room that's safe like this, you're going to walk away, maybe hide him the rest of your life. So if you prayed that prayer tonight, I'm going to give you a challenge to be bold, be proud, so that we can pray with you and we can celebrate with you. Because if you did that, there's a party going on in heaven. The angels are going, woo, berserk. Because you mean that much, every single one of you to them. You mean that much to God. So if you prayed that prayer tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Don't, don't even look out on your friends. If you prayed it, stand up. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. All glory goes to God. You guys are alive, man. This is the best decision you will ever make in your life, right? Bring it in.